brought to you by CGTN Europe. I'm Stephen Cole. Welcome to the Agenda podcast. 2020 marks the 45th anniversary of diplomatic relations between China and the European Union. And it's been something of a landmark year, with China becoming the EU's largest trading partner for the first time, in spite of the pandemic. I spoke to Jiang Ming, China's ambassador to the EU, to talk COVID, climate change and global cooperation. Can you describe the level of cooperation, if any, between China and the EU about the search for the vaccine and how to try and help combat the worst of this pandemic? Uh, China and the EU are helping each other in response to the COVID-19. Solidarity and cooperation is the most powerful weapon against the virus. We offered each other urgently needed medical supplies. Chinese medical teams worked in several European countries. Chinese and European scientists and health professionals shared experience via video conferencing. As major economies, China and the EU are two engines powering the steady operation of global supply chains and restarting economic activities. For example, the China-Europe Express Rail Link has offered logistical support during the pandemic, which is crucially important when shipping by air and sea is severely hit. By November 5th, over 10,000 trips had been made among the, uh, along the routes this year, delivering 927,000 standard containers, up by 54%, I think, from the previous year, hitting a record high. Now, you talk about sharing um, experience with Europe to fight the pandemic. Did you share expertise as well, especially in relation to the possibility of finding a vaccine? Uh, for sure. China and the EU both support WHO, Gavi, and other international institutions. We are against the stigma. We act on the G20 consensus and provide help to Africa and other less developed regions. We support COVAX and will make vaccines a global public good. Chinese and European companies are working together on vaccines. For instance, uh, Fosen Farmer is working with uh, uh, Germany's uh, BioNTech, uh, BioNTech, and China's Clover Biopharmaceuticals is working with the GSK. So that's a level of cooperation. Do you feel in China obliged to share expertise and experience because there are many voices blaming China for causing this pandemic? Have you felt any hostility in Brussels or across Europe? And if so, what have you said to combat that? Well, the phenomenon 
I mean, to blame a certain country or a certain nation or a certain ethnic group for a virus or for an outbreak of a, a epidemic or pandemic existed 100 years ago and before that and exists today. Uh, tracing the virus is very important. WHO, Nature, and other specialized institutions have said that the country that first reported infectious cases is not necessarily the origin of the virus. Uh, tracing the origin is a serious matter for scientists rather than other polit politicians or other people. Uh, what we need are the facts and the evidence. Uh, unfortunately, some are using the pandemic to stigma, stigmatizing or stigmatize China for political gains. Some are using China to shift attention away from their own troubles. Such distortions do little help to the global cooperation against the pandemic. This deserves our high alert. The pandemic teaches us uh, that uh, isolation, uh, suspicion, and discrediting make no sense. We need cooperation, trust, and consultation. Countries with uh, different systems could work together for the public good and bring out their respective strengths. This is what China and Europe are doing and are supposed to do. Let's move on to the economy now and the bilateral investment treaty or comprehensive agreement on investment, as it's called, is supposed to be concluded by the end of this year. Uh, President Xi has promised to speed up negotiations, and those negotiations need to be speeded up. They? They've taken a few years so far and still no sign of a signature. Why is that? Well, China attaches great importance to the talks. Uh, President Xi Jinping uh, said on several public occasions, as you mentioned, that we need to speed up the BIT talks. Thanks to the political leadership, the talks are moving more quickly. Uh, this year alone, we have had uh, nine rounds of talks with uh, good progress on the text and the negative list. We made uh, breakthroughs on the level playing field issues. This is a solid step forward. We are now working on the market access and the sustainable development chapters. The talks are now uh, at a critical stage. We expect the EU side to work with China in a pragmatic and a constructive manner so that we could address the outstanding issues and reach a comprehensive, balanced, and high-level agreement by the end of this year. Well, that's, that's quite a promise, Mr. Ambassador. So you've only got just over six weeks 
until that agreement after how many years? So you expect that to be signed on December the 31st, same day as Brexit? Uh, inshallah, Stephen. <laughs> the IGA negotiation tops the China-EU economic and trade agenda. The pandemic uh, is taking a heavy toll on global economy. If China and the EU could finish the negotiation as scheduled, it would be a very positive signal for promoting global recovery and keeping an open global trade and investment environment. I'm personally always uh, optimistic. Mr. Ambassador, the third China International Import Expo has recently been held in Shanghai. Many European companies were there from Volkswagen to L'Oreal. What did the expo achieve? Uh, indeed, the COVID-19 did not dampen the enthusiasm for the expo. Altogether, <clears throat> 124 countries and regions participated in the expo with a quite impressive presence of uh, European uh, companies. Uh, 714 companies from uh, 32 European countries joined the expo. More than ever before, they did have big takeaways. On the very first day of the expo, European companies signed 61 contracts with the companies from only Zhejiang province worth 10.9 billion US dollars. Man's environmental technology from uh, Germany was overwhelmed by orders worth more than 300 million RMB, though it was the first time for the company to join the expo. Danone and Brown signed contracts with the Chinese uh, partners worth uh, 300 million US dollars and 100 million RMB respectively. The list can go on and on. Many jewelry companies, for example, uh, extended their stay in Shanghai because they're obviously doing uh, a lot of business at the expo. Um, do you think China could help or play a part in helping to rebuild some of the most damaged economies in Europe? Well, really, it's uh, big news. But please don't tell my wife. <laughs> well, despite the chill, in global economy, uh, Chinese market one of the, uh, the, 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 uh, one of the first to recover has brought real opportunities. China has a huge consumer market, and the market keeps opening up. The business climate continues to improve. The expo demonstrated the confidence of European companies to stay and succeed in China. China has become, uh, if the figures are right, the largest trading partner of the European Union in the first eight months or so of 2020, with more than 300 billion euros worth of trade volume. 
what sectors uh, in particular, apart from uh, the jewellery sector <laughs> this Christmas, what sectors in particular are driving that growth? Uh, and where would you say is the potential for further growth? Well, uh, global trade is hard hit by the COVID-19. Yet China and EU managed to buck the trend. According to Eurostat, the EU-China trade from January to August amounted to 374.7 billion euros, up by 2.5% year-on-year. For the first time, China became the EU's largest trading partner. China's demand plays a crucial role. According to China Customs, from the first quarter, uh, to the third quarter, China's imports of uh, IC, biotech, and ICT products from uh, EU27 rose by 12.4%, uh, 35.7%, and 11.8%, respectively. Chinese consumers have a huge demand especially those ladies, for high-quality EU products. Chinese agriculture imports from EU rose by 29.8% year-on-year. Cosmetics and garments are also growing robustly. We have seen new EU investment deals in China. In May, Volkswagen um, announced a major investment in uh, electric vehicles in China, worth 2.1 billion euros. In July, Danone announced additional uh, 100 million euro investment in China. With the GI agreement uh, taking effect, and the BIT talks advancing, Chinese and EU products will gain easier access to the other's market. There is also huge potential to be unleashed in green, digital, connectivity, and the three-party cooperation. You're China's ambassador to the EU, so it might be a bit unfair to ask this. You've mentioned Volkswagen. Uh, as uh, being a, a big trading partner. Do you, does China have a special relationship with any one single European country? Well, uh, I think among the, uh, the European countries, uh, Germany is, uh, is a big economic power and also a very unique uh, and close economic partner and uh, between the two countries, we have uh, uh, a big amount of cooperation and investment. And uh, also with other European countries, uh, we, 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 have, uh, we have launched a long-time cooperation. And also we have a very uh, promising prospective in the future. And. Uh, China will foster a new development uh, paradigm with uh, the domestic circulation as the mainstay and the domestic and international circulations reinforcing each other. 
This is not a development loop behind closed doors, but a dual circulation involving both domestic and global markets. Domestic demand is the key to this new paradigm. China has 1.4 billion people and a huge middle income group of uh, uh, 400 million people. The urbanization rate is over 60%. This means huge potential and vitality. The size of the middle income group is expected to expand to 500 million in the next five years. Total import into China is estimated to top 22 trillion US dollars in the coming decade. The new uh, purchasing power arising therefrom means more market opportunities for China, for Europe, and for the world. Let's move on to the climate. Uh, President Xi has announced China aims to be carbon neutral in 40 years' time, in 2060. Could you see, do you see more opportunities for bilateral cooperation to try and achieve that target? Uh, China and the EU have a shared commitment to green development and better global governance on climate change. We have both set the objectives for carbon neutrality and aim to build back greener. During the China-Germany-EU leaders' video meeting on September 14th, Chinese and EU leaders agreed to establish a high-level dialogue on environment and climate change and to foster a green partnership. I think this will be the fourth pillar for China-EU cooperation. And this reflects our shared commitment to pursuing green, low carbon and sustainable development and safeguarding uh, multilateralism. Uh, competent authorities from both sides have already started discussing the following, the follow-up details. The EU is pushing for the Green Deal. China's new five-year plan and the long-range objectives through 2035 put emphasis on green transition, low carbon development, green technology, and green finance. Such overlapping policy priorities offer a good reason to step up cooperation. We are also uh, communicating within multilateral frameworks. Notably, we want to work together to make next year's UN Biodiversity Conference and the UN Climate Change Conference more productive. Some say, though, that China's green economy ambition means competing rather more than cooperating with the European Union in the low-carbon technology market. Is, is that a fair criticism? Well, new technology underpins the path toward carbon neutrality. 
China and the EU are both developing low-carbon technologies. Of course, the, the EU is more advanced. It is useful to share best practices. As a developing country, China is fully aware of how difficult it is for developing countries to achieve green and low-carbon development. I believe that the global pursuit of, uh, of green and low-carbon development should not come at the cost of developing countries' pursuit of higher living standards. Under the principle of a common but differentiated responsibilities, developed countries are obliged to step up technology transfer and the financial support to developing countries. China stands ready to work more closely with the EU in this regard. Lastly, Mr. Ambassador, uh, the EU has accused China of selective multilateralism. Um, how can, do you think, the EU and China work together uh, to, should we say, safeguard global multilateralism? Well, multilateralism is a major principle guiding China's foreign policy. China promotes multilateralism and contributes China's wisdom to global cooperation. As UN General Secretary Mr. Antonio Guterres said, China is a major pillar for multilateralism. And, uh, indispensable and a trustworthy force for world peace and development. Multilateralism values equality, openness, and inclusiveness. Global affairs should be run through consultations among the community of nations on the basis of rules acceptable to all. Countries' uh, legitimate interests and concerns should be accommodated. We are living in a complex world. Challenges abound. Multilateralism is evolving. It is not fair to shape multilateralism or judge others on the basis of only one party's interests and viewpoints. We need a sense of togetherness and a build synergy with our joint discussion and the efforts and the shared benefits. Multilateralism is a common language for China and the EU. In the September video summit, President Xi said that China and the EU need to act on multilateralism. We need to join hands to support multilateralism and build more consensus on multilateral cooperation and global governance. We need to join hands to safeguard international rules that serve the purposes of the UN Charter and that are cherished, cherished by the vast majority of uh, international community and offer more global public goods in good faith. We need to join hands to lend strong impetus to multilateralism. Jiang Ming, 
China's ambassador to the European Union. Many thanks for joining us here on the agenda. Thank you. It's my pleasure. That brings us to the end of another edition of the agenda. Thanks for listening. And do join us again next week when we'll be talking about water security, the latest looming crisis for the world, and how we might be able to avoid it. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. You can also find us on CGTN Europe, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube. The most interesting questions. Are there other living beings beyond Earth? Will man or machine be in charge? Great question. Always have more than one answer. Well, hold on, uh, let me just draw up a list. And always come from more than one person. That's where the credibility lies. The concept of having a machinery which is alive and evolving didn't wait for us. The end of inequality of incomes and wealth around the world, can you imagine how difficult that is at the moment to achieve? Every episode, Stephen Cole, Murray Beveridge, and some of the brightest minds out there shed light on the answers to some of the most intriguing questions. There are two ways of looking at this. Machines can't really discriminate between civilian and military targets. The Answers Project. Maybe we need to just look at this in a bit more detail. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. The Answers Project, a new podcast from CGTN Europe.